0: Well, good morning and welcome to The Rooted Podcast. My name is Rob Harlemer. I'm the host of this podcast, and we try to do this podcast every single week because we believe that if we are rooted in Scripture, when we look at life and we see different avenues in life, we see different problems in life. If we respond with Scripture and we're rooted in Scripture, we will live a life according to Jesus. And today we're going to talk about prayer. Just a little overview, and I'd love to have some interaction with this as well. But there is multiple times in Scripture where Jesus prays, and it doesn't seem like his prayers are one like ours. It seems, you know, when he first starts in ministry, he really does devote himself to prayer. And when we look at our, our prayer life, If we pray at all, it doesn't seem like it looks very much like Jesus' prayer life. And I think at the beginning of 2022, when we met as a church last week, we really talked about there are some things in our life, if we want to be faithful and obedient, that we really need to make sure that we follow through with and that we're diligent with in our life. And the second one that I mentioned was prayer. And we see in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he goes off to the desert for a little while, for 40 days, to be tempted by, by Satan. And a big part of that is prayer and just centering his life around Scripture and, and, and his Father to make sure that no matter what happens in his life, the ministry that's going to happen, he is preparing his mind, his heart, his mind to make sure that he is staying within God's will. And to make sure that no matter what happens, he is going to follow through with that. So we see that he is tempted by, by Satan, by an evil spirit, to make sure of all the things in his heart, all the things that he's going to deal with, that he's going to choose God over those things. And as you go through his ministry, you see that he is presented in front of some very hard challenges, and he always chooses the Father instead of the easy way out. But there's a moment in Matthew 6. This is the Sermon on the Mount, and he's he's kind of ending the Sermon on the Mount. And he's going through a bunch of different issues that are very, very important. He's He's targeting the Jewish people. He's kind of putting them in contrast with the Jewish leaders and saying like, this is what the leaders do, but I, I say that you should do this, or he's elevating the teacher teaching of the rabbis around. And this is what he says about prayer. This is in Matthew 6, uh, starting in verse 5. He says, And when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, you have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they... Think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. This is then, this is how you should pray. <clears throat> our Father in heaven, hallowed be the, your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this t- today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So we get this really small part of Scripture, this little picture of about prayer, and we see that it, it seems to be that the biggest issue has to be why we pray. And... I guess in this issue or this, this time, there were minister. we would call ministers, rabbis, teachers, people of high esteem in the Jewish culture would try to receive praise or try to elevate themselves because of their great faith acts. Um, they wanted to make sure everything that they did, whether it's reciting scripture, they would help people, they would make sure if they... They'd, did a good deed or they gave, they pray. They want to make sure that everybody saw what they did so that they received some sort of earthly reward of praise. I guess they wanted to make sure that if they were a leader, that other people needed to see them leading in that way. But Jesus says, look, that doesn't matter um, because your father knows what you need before you pray. There's no need to just expound on that um, like you're babbling You don't need to do it in front of other people so that other people see that you're praying because it really is a connection between the person and the Father. It is not a connection with you, other people, and the Father. This is a way that you can connect with Him in worship but also have a way that you can ask for things to make sure that your sins are forgiven, to make sure that you're elevating the Father by worshiping Him giving the praises that he needs. And I love at the beginning, it's like, you just need to be short because your father knows what you need before you ask. And that little part right there is something that I have been kind of wrestling with over the past probably week, because when we see Jesus pray, it it just describes him as like giving thanks or just laying a hand on somebody and he asked the father to intercede in that moment so whenever jesus feeds the 5000 you know he's given five loaves and two fish and there seems to be some sort of lack of faith or just the disciples mind isn't positioned in the right way and jesus tells everybody to kind of you know get into groups of 50 i think <clears throat> and then he makes made sure that he took this Five loaves and two fish, and he gave thanks and started to multiply it. What we don't see in scripture, and and I don't know if it's intended to be this way or not, but we don't see like this long drawn out prayer between Jesus and the Father. It just seems like there's this constant communication with the Father, and then whenever he needs something, he kind of stops what he's doing and he's intentional. By asking the Father for something, it seems that He is really praying without ceasing in His life. He's making sure that there's this constant communication and flow between the Father and Him. So, whenever He needs something, He doesn't need to go through the formalities of Our Father, hallowed be Your name, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth that is in heaven. It just seems He always does that. So, whenever He needs something, He just asks for it in that moment. I've talked about this multiple times, but it really seems that the day-to-day life and the things that he needed to do in his day-to-day life really interrupted his prayer life. That for us, it seems that prayer interrupts our day-to-day life where we have to stop and we pray for our food, we pray for gatherings, we pray for church services, we pray for bad things that happen in our life, for ailments, or if there's a block in our, in our day-to-day life. There's some sort of roadblock. We, we pray for it or we need some wisdom. We ask for it. Um, we do it in worship to Him. And that's such a small time of our, of our day-to-day life or our week-to-week life or our month-to-month life that our mind isn't really consumed all the time with what the Father wants. And I think there is a problem there. So I challenged my my church that in 2023 we really need to make sure that we pray and we do that through the leading of the scriptures. And we do that because we want to make sure that we have a relationship with the Father. And the best way to know and to have a relationship with him is to know things about him. Like if we want to have a relationship with somebody that is close to us, if we want to have a relationship with a with a neighbor or somebody that is in close proximity to us. We don't know them very well. The first thing we do is we try to find out things about them. We like, we ask questions, we do small talk, we throw things against the wall and we try to just try to find one or two things to just kind of grab a hold of for a while before we make memories together. That's what you do. That's how you grow in relationships at the very beginning. So you can just skip that entire process with God. If you read the scriptures, if you devote yourself to what he's about, if you if you read this book from front to end, which I know it will take a long time, you will see great stories. You will see stories of sadness. You'll see stories of great kings. You will see uh, stories of kingdoms fall. You'll see uh, God restoring His people. You'll see people being put in power to to make sure that the Israelite people stay faithful and obedient. You'll see teachings and prophecies and. You'll see Jesus enter the story, and then you'll see people write letters to churches about Jesus and how to be more faithful to him. You just see this overarching story about God and what he's all about, what he cares about, how much he loves us, how much he wants a relationship with us, and how he'll stop at nothing to give us an opportunity to choose him over the world, to choose him over Satan. So we, we, we have all this information about God. And if we want that relationship with him, then we really need to know the stories. And if we're all about the father, we're all about being within his will. We see what he cares about. We see the overarching theme. We can apply that to our life and see how he just really wants us to choose him and and we're going to be about in his will and do the things that he cares about to make an impact in in the things that he cares about in the people that he cares about. And then we have, we have that, that entry of Christ and, and grace into our life so that we can be the people that also share that side as well of, okay, God cares about us, he created us, but how do we have that connection? Well, that's through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and the grace that we can receive from that, the forgiveness of sin, so that there's no longer the separation. That whenever we are presented to God, he doesn't view us as sin, but he, he looks at Jesus and he sees this perfect creation, human that, that took on our sin so we no longer have that separation so we can go into the presence of Him. And that needs to be in the forefront of our mind at all times if we want to have that relationship with Him. Now, I also said that if you, haven't, if you, if you don't pray or you haven't read Scripture, I just recommend praying anyways. It's better to pray and not really know who you're praying to then not pray at all like you have to be diligent about it you have to start somewhere and you will get better at it because you will slowly get to know the father more it's not this perfect thing right off the bat where you decide to follow Christ or you decide to be a Christ follower or you read the bible for the first time or you hear the gospel message for the first time or you are baptized and it's it's not a perfect relationship immediately like you you still will have struggles you still have the ability to learn you still have to have the ability to develop habits in your life and for the first time in your life you're, you're given all of these tools that you can live a successful life rooted in scripture but it still takes discipline it still takes relying on faith. It still takes relying on Christ and the, and the grace that he gives us and the hope that's found in him. And I think that's why whenever Jesus is, is connected with the father, it's, it's never this drawn out process of prayer, but it's just this moment where he can stop and, and remove all the distractions so that he can ask the father to do something. And it, you see this with the bleeding woman. You see this with when he heals the lame man. You you see this with the lepers, and it, it's just these people who have faith for a moment in him. And he asks the Father to intercede in this moment, and these people are healed, or this miraculous thing happens where he feeds five thousand people, or it's the water and the wine and it's, nobody talks about how Jesus stood up there and did a 35-minute prayer or this, this massive devotional. It just says that he was able to do this. So we have this small picture, though, at the end of prayer where Jesus asked his disciples to follow him into this garden to pray because he's trying to prepare for what's going to happen in his life, where he's going to be taken away by the guards. The disciples don't know this, but he's going to be taken away. He knows this. His time is coming, where he's going to be put on the cross, going to die for for everybody. And his earthly side is probably really struggling with this. And we we kind of get this picture debating on who you read and the studying that you're doing, where uh, he starts to. Um, kind of blood starts coming out of his pores because of the stress and anxiety of his life, and but around this, he's he is praying and he's he's asking he's asking God for His will to be done. He's going through the process of like, if if you want this to happen, I will do it, but I ask that you take this burden from me. Uh, you you take the pain you take the pain right now from me, and you really just see that after he leaves that conversation with God, he is a completely different person. He goes into that conversation being fully filled with anxiety and fear and his body is reacting to that to leaving that situation and interacting with the guards in a completely calm manner that he doesn't break under pressure that whenever he's questioned by a uh, pilot and he's questioned by the guards he didn't engage in any of those conversations but he just stayed faithful and obedient to God it seems like he didn't answer almost any of his questions except for like one or two that really pertained to the situation because he knew that if he could get out of it, he could have answered the questions and gave him the right answers to remove himself from that situation, but he knew what God, God's will was for his life. So can prayer do the same thing for us? Can we pray and be connected so well with God that we can be in a position where we are in, within and following God's will to the best of our ability. Now we know that there's, there's two sides to this, correct? Like there is an overarching will for every Christian, which is to go into the world and make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching everything to obey everything that Christ had commanded. And then he says that he'll be with us always. Like, that, that is the will for every single Christian. Every single Christian needs to do that. There isn't special people that should be baptizing. Like, everybody should be baptizing. Everybody should be making disciples. That should be a value and a, and a purpose-driven life for every single Christian. But there are some, or every single person will do that, will make disciples in a certain way will serve in a certain way and is designed for a certain purpose to do that. Now, there are some people that this looks like an extreme situation. So we have like in Scripture, we have Paul where he was not walking with with God. God intervened or Jesus intervened in his life. And then he became a completely different person because he was, for his will for his life was to reach uh, the Gentiles, like and, and combine this Jewish and Gentile relationship. Like that was his mission mission for for his life. And that is something extreme. He writes a bunch of letters. He's known for the rest of eternity. We can we can read the Bible, the second half, the skinnier part of the New Testament was majority written by him in his letters. And we, we have we get a lot of theology and doctrine in the church today of what he wrote but I love to talk to people about uh, the Catholic saints. Like I'm not Catholic, but there are, there are dedicated Catholics that they have elevated to sainthood. And that's a whole nother conversation. But if you just looked, if you just look at what they did, none of them did anything that was overly extreme, but they were just faithful and obedient and had a strong prayer life of where they were or where they were placed. And because of that, the, the Catholic Church recognized what they were doing. Like, I, I love telling the story of Mother Teresa, or part of her story. She was a, a giant in the faith when it came to the end of her life. Like, everybody knew about Mother Teresa. There's books written about her, about this lady who was placed in a—, in a foster and orphan home taking care of these kids who were riddled with disease during the, the AIDS spike and, and a bunch of other things, and she was just faithful and obedient, and she wrote letter after letter asking God to remove her from the situation, and, and it almost seemed like God was silent because she was supposed to be in that situation taking care of those kids, being faithful and obedient. And just because she was faithful and obedient in that moment, she had an opportunity to make an impact for that specific situation that she was placed in. And because of her faithfulness and obedience of just sticking where God had placed her, not creating a whole situation like this, this, this is terrible. I'm with these, these broken kids that are suffering I don't want to do this anymore, so I'm going to place myself in a different situation and get a bunch of traction. The reason she got traction wasn't because she did anything flashy. The reason she got traction and and God placed her in a certain situation because she was faithful and obedient to what God had in her life. So for most of us, God is going to place us in a situation, and we just need to be faithful and obedient to what, what he commands, be faithful and obedient to prayer and just be open to whatever possibility God has for us in this moment in life. But that's only going to happen if we are connected to him. That's only going to happen if we, have, we put ourselves in a position where we can be open to receive something in a moment through connection with prayer, through connection of knowing our Father. It is so important. It is so very important to make sure that we know the scriptures. We know what, what God is all about. So whenever we pray and connect with him, we can recognize that there might be a moment or multiple moments or in a position where we have the opportunity to be within God's will of making disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching others to be faithful and obedient as well. If we can do that in our current situation, that is being within God's will. Now, for those who are struggling with this a little bit more, I always tell people that if you want something immediate, if you want something immediate where you are feel like you're within God's will, if you want the experience, this is not something you do for, for a long time. This is not a lifelong thing. You can do this for a little bit at a time. What you do is you search where you see God is making an impact, and then you go there. That's, that's as simple as that. If you, if you see a mission field where people are making an impact, if you see a church where it's making a huge impact, people are being saved, people are being baptized, uh, disciples are being made, there's nothing wrong with just removing yourself for, for a little bit and going there and experiencing whatever they're doing and trying to recognize where God is making an impact. You will experience something in that moment. But that's not what we're called to do over and over again. What we're called to do is to be faithful and obedient where we're at and and look for opportunities to fulfill God's will and follow him to make sure we make disciples. And eventually, just like Mother Teresa, this will happen, People will come to where you are, or a group of you where you're with, or the church that you attend, or the, the, the job that you do, or the extra mission work that you do, and people will, will recognize that God is with you and will want to come alongside you to make an impact. Now, they won't be there forever because they have a thing that they're supposed to do what God wants them to do. Now, some people might be with you longer than others, but there will be a situation where other people are searching for Christ. They want to experience something and they will come alongside you for a very short while to either learn or experience something and then they will do the exact same thing to make disciples. And that's the discipleship process. My favorite thing that, and something that I did was I, I, I did the exact same thing. I had a professor in my life in college that for some reason I connected with a lot more than all my other professors. Not saying my other professors weren't great, they were fantastic. I learned so much from every single professor that I had in college, but there was one that I just, it just felt like God was doing something different in his life externally than everybody else. And I, and I think that's just the drawing factor. It doesn't mean that he was more faithful or